This is rocked. One year in the saddle. Jake. No. Very exciting. Very exciting times. Round 12 of rocked. Hashtag 12. Hashtag 12. My man. JJ Rocker, unsurpassed, unparalleled, unequaled boxing IQ, and there's a bit happening out there. Plenty happening at the moment. How, Plenty. How you been? How's work? Work's good. Yeah? Work's starting to pick up. Yeah. Starting to get stock. People are taking delivery of their brand new cars. What about that beautiful Hilux I saw on the showroom floor yesterday? Yeah. Beautiful car. Beautiful. Popular car. He's a, he's a Mr. Toyota with a boxing habit. JJ Rocker. Yes, sir. We're gonna we're gonna talk. Uh, I don't know where they are, but they're in quarantine. Don't start me on that. I'll rant too early. But the ridiculous, the Maloney twins. They're back in town. They're locked up, holed up, um, in quarantine. We'll talk to the boys. Tim Zoo. He's got an assignment at Parramatta Stadium. He does. Brocky Jarvis. Brocky Jarvis, your your bestie. He's fighting on the eleventh in Canberra. He is, he is highly anticipated. Hold that thought. Mark Sleeves comes out of another friend of ours, a friend of the of our podcast for Team Ellis, managed by Jake Ellis. Um, yep. And uh, actually, the Maloneys may well know a little bit more about Mark Sleeves. Andrew Maloney. That's the big story. We'll come to that. Mark Hunt. You are the man for MMA. You can own that. We'll talk Mark Hunt. We'll talk also Paul Gallen. All that, much, much more. Do I forget anything? No. There's plenty happening. There is. Plenty happening. Oh. There's something else happening, though, is there not? Oh. Mike Tyson at yeah. 54. Ever heard of him? <laughs> versus Roy Jones Jr. Can you believe it? I want to talk to the Maloneys about that one as well because do a form line. If you do a form line, maybe we could coax Danny Green back into the ring against Mike Tyson. <laughs> well, he beat Roy Jones. There's the form line. Green, you it's love true. that. It's true. Green, yeah. you love he that. Bro- he broke my heart that night. He broke your heart. Yeah. Roy Jones is like idol, idol. Mm. Mm. Went there, saw him walk out, goosebumps, young boy. Yeah. My hero. Iced. Early. Talk about Roy Jones and the, the day that I went, oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, just stupendous. I uh, had some good news yesterday, uh, again being asked to be an Australia Day ambassador by the uh, Australia Day committee. What an honour. Yeah, my sixth year. Um, more so it's an opportunity to travel to country areas of New South Wales and paraphrase, paraphrase our family's Bonda Bush yeah. and a little bit about Dad's story and anywhere in New South Wales or Queensland uh, the family name uh, is pretty well known. In fact, one of the places I got to travel was a place called Gilgandra in western New South Wales, not too far from Dubbo. And uh, it's the home of the Cooey March. Are you familiar with the Cooey March? No. Did you do Australian history at school? I did. I did do Australian history. 20 men gathered in Gilgandra. Now, we're talking a seven-hour drive here to Gilgandra. One of the locals is going to pick me up and say you're a bit wrong there, but let's say seven hours. Roughly seven. 20 men that were determined to enlist and fight under our flag started a march all the way to Sydney. And as they walked through towns, would yell out, Coo! 
You've heard that before, haven't you? I sure have. And there's a monument in town that celebrates the digger and his bugle and his hands formed like so and he would go through towns and cooey. By the time they reached Sydney, they had 300 men enlisted to go to war back in 1915. Wow, and that's where it originated. Gilgandra, the Cooey March. Very cool. Pretty close to my heart. My dad's brother, Jack. My uncle, Bert. My dad's brother-in-law, Mum's side, fought under our great flag, which brings me to what is very much news in Australia. Outraged serving soldiers. We'll talk boxing as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, but this is the fight. This is the fight. Talk about fighters. Outraged serving soldiers, veterans and their families petitioned the Governor-General to block the Australian Defence Force from stripping them of their meritorious unit citation awards. And this comes as the ADF Chief General Angus Campbell last week announced he was recommending all soldiers who served in Afghanistan under Special Operations Task Group between 2007 and 2013 have their citation revoked. The move came after distressing revelations that 19 Special Forces soldiers, largely made up of the SAS and two commando regiments, are allegedly involved in war crimes, including shooting innocent victims. Now, if that's proven after they go to court... Do what you like. And now a social media campaign led by uh, at least 1,000 current and former soldiers from both the elite forces unite to call for a petition to the Governor-General to block the move. And even the top ADF brass um, up to the rank of general don't agree with the stripping. Now moving forward, because there's a couple of points here, between 2002 and 2017 we have a massive rate of suicide yep. for our ex-servicemen and women. In Between 2001 and 2017, there were 419 serving, reserve, ex-serving ADF personnel who have committed suicide in that period. Just sky high. Just sky high. And so with that in mind, the petition... I'm calling on all boxing fans, the fighters. I'm calling on anyone that hears this. Please go to voiceofaveteran.org, voiceofaveteran.org. And the Chief of the Defence Force has stated he will ask the Governor-General of Australia to strip the meritorious unit citation awarded to Task Force 66 special operation task groups who were serving in the foresaid uh, period of time. You can show your support. You can show your support uh, for common sense and help us stop this persecution of the many who serve with so much honour. And already we're making apologies to Afghanistan. And that's okay if proven. But not one of these soldiers, not one of these men proud to drape their shoulders with the Australian flags has walked up the stairs and stepped foot into a court. We're a boxing show, but this is the fight. This is the fight. And so go to voiceofaveteran.org. Is that fair and reasonable? Absolutely. And it's actually very coincidental you bring this up because a great, a great fighter that our country's produced and he's actually fought for our 
our flag as well by the name of Justin Frost. He fights uh, this weekend against Wayland Law for the Australian Super Lightweight title. He served a few times for for our country, and uh, he posted a couple weeks ago that one of his uh, best mates has actually committed suicide, um, and that's the third of of his closest friends. So your friend sitting here, your your big bra. I fought in a uh, fight for life in New Zealand and yep. got stopped by the most capped all black uh, centre in history, a bloke called Frank Bunce. Goes pretty well <laughs> from experience. <laughs> but that was about raising money, fight for life, yep. um, for male suicide, which Australia and New Zealand, the Anzacs, we have the highest rate per capita for male suicide in the world. Full stop. Wow. And on that night, I think, and Dean Lonigan was the promoter. I think we raised in the vicinity before before costs about one point two million dollars, and that yeah. was back in two thousand and three. So yeah, that's massive. It, um, New Zealand did a great job there with the fight for life. I listened to Alan Jones; he's my man, uh, Sky News Channel, and he read such a harrowing email from a lady, the mum of a, a veteran, and he said, and the mother said, JJ. The mother said, if you want to take my son's medals, then you better go and visit his gravesite. Enough said. This is rocked. Welcome to the show, the Mourn Boys. It was a little solemn start, but it had to be said. They are in quarantine, and it's uh, wherever you're joining us, whether you're in West Hollywood, whether you're in New York City, whether you're in Vegas or London Town or joining us in Western Australia or Kingscliff for that matter, it's a very great welcome to the Maloney twins, Andrew and Jason. Welcome to Rock. You're almost co-host now, my good. <laughs> we are. Thanks for having us on again, fellas. All right, who's who? <laughs> Andrew on this side, Jason on this side, mate. You know what? I always say you're unsurpassed, unequaled, go for it because there's a thousand questions to ask these boys. And, mate, your access to the media, I'll, I'll just leave it with JJ now, but your access to the media has been amazing. I think last time we spoke, I said, I hope you realise what you're receiving here in Australia, which is now mainstream, and you can thank your mate, Tony Tolds, for that and his vast network of boxing friends in the media industry. Uh, look, win, lose or draw, I... I Get your head up, and I think get your head up because you are now mainstream property. I'll leave it with JJ Rocker. Well, first of all, while I've got the opportunity, I just want to congratulate the pair of you for the way you represented Australian boxing on the big stage. In victory and defeat, I think it's very important how fighters come out of things. And obviously, you know, results didn't go the way that we anticipated, expected, or wanted going over, but... You haven't lost any fans. Your stock, both of your stock has gone up, in my opinion, and you gave great accounts of yourself both. Obviously, uh, Jason, a tough fight, and Andrew, a very, very tough result as well. But uh, let's talk quarantine. How are you guys at the moment? Well, uh, where are you? <laughs> thank you, mate. I appreciate your kind words. Um, we're in Sydney in hotel quarantine at the moment. And uh, we're just past halfway yesterday, so six days until we can finally go home and see our families. I bet you miss them. Oh, like crazy. Uh, yeah, my uh, my little boy's changed so much while I've been away. Thank God for FaceTime. I've been able to, you know, watch a little bit of it, but he's just really, you know, 
changed and developed so much while being away and I just can't wait to get home and spend some quality time with him. And that's the toll I think that the public kind of miss. They see these warriors go to war in the ring and they think, you know, it's it's one night and then it happens and then it all goes back to normal. The sacrifice for all of you has been immense. You've been away from your families, what, five months of this year? Yeah, that's right, mate. Five months we've been away and like you said, all of us, you know. There Angela, I say. There I say. Uh, sorry. It's, um, it's been pretty tough. But, um, yeah, the, the big sacrifices that you have to make to reach the top and it didn't quite pay off this time, but it's all another stepping stone in the journey. Dare I say it's been a tour of duty. We're talking about babies that are changing while they're away. They're soldiers of war. They, they, they know it. I could see it. They're emotional. They, the, his little boy has changed and so forth. Um, talk about fighters. Talk about fighters, particularly in this climate. It's just an unbelievable story. Five months away. Five months away. Absolutely. And I don't think, obviously, everybody wants it. Everybody wants to be world champion. Everybody wants to, you know, fight on the platforms that the Maloney's have fought on. But no, I don't think every fighter would do what the, no. the two of you have done. One percent. In, in all honesty, it's the sacrifices that you are making now that are going to pay off in the long run. You know, it's this is going to be one chapter of a very, very long story of the Maloney twins and their ascent through world boxing. I have no doubt. It's a, it's a book. It's a movie. It's a movie. Uh, a pandemic hits and they go inside the bubble. And Tolls, I think, before this has already done three months. This is isolation. This is quarantine. This is lockdown. This is, you know, it's almost prison time um, to provide entertainment for us folks back home that simply pay a fee to watch the boys dance. Just incredible. Absolutely. Now, Jason, they touted him as the monster, pound for pound best on the planet. How good is he? Yeah, he's bloody good, mate. He's bloody good. But I knew that before stepping in the ring with him. You know, it wasn't as if I wanted the fight because I thought, um, you know, it was going to be an easy win. Um, I knew that he was a, a monster and I knew he was pound for pound, maybe the best fighter on the planet before I stepped in the ring. But I believed in myself and dared to be great. Um, I wanted that challenge and I believed I could beat him. Um and, yeah, look, he was a better man on the night. I fell short. But this um, experience is only going to do good things to my career and I'm sure I'm only going to learn from this and come back better and stronger next year. still believe I can beat any other bantamweight in the world and I still I still believe that I that I can match it with Anui as well. But it wasn't to be. He was a better man on the night and I'll come back better and stronger next year. Well, you did match it with him. You matched matched it with him for a very large portion of the fight as well, and gave a a great account of yourself. When you're when you were in there, what did you find? He was that extra level. That was his is it his speed that stood out, his power, his boxing ability. Because there were times there where you had him going backwards and moving, and he looked to you know be a little a confused. Real, real gunfight. He looked a yeah. little confused early, didn't he? Absolutely. Mm. Um, it was probably his speed that was the hardest to deal with. Um, he was very good with his feet as well, you know, taking that little step back and bringing you on and making you fall short, which I guess makes you a little bit reluctant to really go for him because he's, he's always bringing you on to his shots. But, um, yeah, his speed was pretty hard to deal with. That was what surprised me the most. You know, he hit me with a couple of shots early and I thought 
the power is there, but it's not the, you know, monstrous, intimidating, you know, shocking power that everyone talks about. But then he hit me with that first left hook that I just didn't see and put me on my back. I wasn't overly hurt by that, but just a shot that I didn't see. So I was up pretty quick. I think I beat the beat the count of one with the first knockdown, but then mm. um, tried to get my way back into the fight and, and gain gain his respect and, Went out of my shield. He hit me with a right hand that was just an absolute peach. Never been hit by a shot like that ever before. And I didn't recover. I was gone and the fight was stopped. Um, but, yeah, no regrets, mate. I went out there and gave it everything I had. You absolutely did. Andrew, let's show some brotherly love here, the tough love we talked about. If you're Jason Maloney, what does he do different in a fight with the Japanese monster? Were you happy with his performance? I'll pull no punches. I've seen better from Jason, and he still matched it for a, a large portion of the fight. As the brother that knows him so well knows that DNA backwards, your twins. What would he do different? Um, I think you're right, Mark. I think Jason wasn't 100% at his best. Um, part of that was how good a new he is, but part of it, we're not sure. I think Jason looked a little bit flat on the night. When he threw his first couple of punches, I thought he's not as fast as what I expected and what I'd seen from him inspiring beforehand. Um, but that can happen. It's That's the, the thing about boxing. You can have the best training camp in the world, but if you don't show up on the night at your absolute best, then at that level, 1% is all it takes and you're behind. Can I so, suggest, may I suggest JJ, Andrew, Jace, Without being starstruck, the pressure or the nerves a little bit. Hey, I'm in here with a rock star, even though there is no crowd. A little bit, Jason. I mean, you can prepare yourself so well, but there's a little bit there that says, this is him. I don't know. Honestly, I went into that fight mentally in a better place than I've ever been before. Okay. And I wasn't intimidated. I really believed that I was going to win the fight. Um. I didn't feel incredibly nervous, but who knows, mate? It, no, no. Like you said, I, I wasn't as sharp as I would have liked, but, you know, credit to Anui, he, maybe he being that good brought me, you know, brought me down a level. I don't know, but. Are you serious? You walk on the W. I would have liked to put him under a bit more pressure, get him on the back foot a little bit more. Um, but, yeah, it's easy to say now. And Andrew, how does it affect your psyche in terms of, you know, the roles were reversed this time. Unfortunately, we saw Jason go down. How does it affect your psyche? I know my brother tore his hamstring during the soccer season this year and I was in the crowd and wanted to cry. So it's got to, surely it's got to have some effect on, on you. I mean, it did a little bit. I was, I was, you know, heartbroken for Jason because he had the best training camp and looked so good and we really thought he was going to pull it off. And it just would have been absolutely huge if he had have got that win. Um, but it actually wasn't – a few people have asked me, like, how was it being in the corner? And mm. it really wasn't a hard thing to watch because, yeah, he's my brother. but And he did get stopped. But it wasn't like a brutal 12-round war where he was taking punishment the whole fight. He There was two shots in the in the fight that he got caught with. One, the, the flash knockdown and then the right hand that finished it. But 
I mean, look at his face after the fight. He, he barely had a mark on him. It wasn't something that was, you know, really difficult to watch. May I suggest that you were pretty fired up by the time you got to dance on the canvas. I saw bad intentions as soon as the bell went. And uh, I look at Box Rec having it down as a no decision. Don't worry about retaining titles. Um, social media and the boxing world blew up. Mainstream media blew up. People like Alan Jones blew up. Uh, it was reminiscent, maybe not quite on the scale, of Fennec and Nelson, although let's, Jeffrey did it for about 10 of the 12 rounds. Um, it, it, do you realise the impact back home and the support you got in relation to this rematch with Joshua Franco? Yeah, the um, the amount of support I've received since the fight has just been crazy. I've had thousands of messages on social media and I think I was trending at like four or five in the world on Twitter for a few hours after the fight. And it, wow. Yeah. yeah, I could I could tell that it had blown right up. Joe Rogan included, and like we've been trying to get Joe on the show. Um, could you talk to Joe <laughs> on our behalf and say my, my mates are in Sydney and they're massive fans and we've been telling people we're having Joe Rogan on the show and we will have Joe on the show, not this week. That's no. usually what we say. So yeah. if you're talking to your mate Joe, because Joe blew up social media deluxe also, could you just yeah. sort of say, hey, the boys that rocked in Sydney, massive Joe Rogan fans, uh, I'd like yeah. you to have a, have a chat sometime. Joe's my boy. I'll just I'll hit him up. Wow, <laughs> yes! Because um, I've been to the States 16 times, and, um, I, and, and JJ, I've got to tell you, when it comes to tracking animals on Earth, uh, we, we kind of know where Joe goes. We kind of know where he lives and eats and performs. <laughs> Um, but unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, now I've been slapped with an international ABO. Um, I, I jest, but we're a little bit concerned that Joe thinks we're stalkers. Um, yeah. uh, but look, if you could tell him, hey, they're good guys. They're good guys. They're basing their their template almost on you, Joe. Uh, yeah. You don't know what they're going to talk about, but, but they, you'll have some fun along the way. Yeah. I'll have a chat to him. Don't worry. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, bro. Yeah, my man. <laughs> hey, um, Shakespeare once said, there you go, Joe Rogan, to Shakespeare. You just never know where I'm going to go. Shakespeare once said, J.J. Rocker, me think he protests too much. Many people will say, what's he talking about? Um, I asked the question to you guys. Joshua Franco, who was his promoter? He's with Golden Boy. Okay, well, that that's okay. Okay, so everything we saw, everything we saw out of your friends at Top Rank was the real deal. They are absolutely filthy, and pardon the language, to the point that Bob Arum said, let's get the fuck out of Vegas. Yeah, that's right. It, um, a lot of people online who, yeah, probably don't know the ins and outs of boxing were, were saying to me, oh, Top Rank's corrupt and blaming top rank but it certainly had nothing to do with them as you could see bob was furious at the decision um it was the nevada commission that that made the made I the call believe it. Day and- i i think jj's probably done it more than me because he, he he's micro micro i watched this i watched that round on slow-mo the entire round takes a while by the way it's it's a punch there's just no contact with his right eye Forget about it. Your head was on his on his on his left shoulder for a while, 
But there was nothing there, JJ. Just not. And then, and what a, what a fantastic initiative we've got! Facilities for a video ref in rugby league. Don't start me on that. And and also referring to the umpire in cricket. And now we have this amazing chance looking for something in boxing. We go there and to protect the referee, just to protect the referee. They they still want to tell us there was some head damage there. Help me, JJ. I, What's going on? Well, I can't help you. No, no one can. That's been the problem through this whole thing. We're all looking for something that wasn't there. So we're talking to the champ. The champ. Yeah. Yeah. You're dead right, though, Mark. Well, that was the perfect opportunity for them to use yeah. the system and shine. And because shine, yeah. The referee's got a hard job to make a you know, split-second decision. Was it a headbutt? Was it a punch? Whatever. And he got it wrong, but they could have gone back to the review, used it, changed the decision. The rifleman wins, and everyone goes, how good is this that boxing now has a review system and can make the right decisions. Instead, the opposite. Exactly. Like an umpire in cricket now. People over there in West Hollywood, I think they'll know what it is. It's a very slow form of baseball. But but, but, uh, um, umpires, they don't get offended when a referral sent upstairs and they got it wrong with a ball coming at them at 2,000 kilometres an hour. Referees, we now have the referees challenge where you lose the challenge in rugby league if you get it wrong. And a referee's not offended that in the heat of battle with bodies that weigh 120 kilograms coming together at about... 40 kilometres an hour in the split second of play, they can get something wrong. They have no problem with that, let alone a lightning bolt. You don't see half the little yeah, men, course. the little big men, you don't see half the jabs. You can't. Yeah. But that's that's exactly what I was getting at as well. This was the perfect platform for boxing to get away from the stigma that there is corruption yes. in our sport, yes. right? Which for a long time, Boxing corruption has gone hand in hand. That's just the way it is, right? This was the perfect platform to say, hey, you know, referees can make a mistake, which they can. They're human. But that's meant to be a safety net, what we have after. It's meant to rectify what was previously wrong. But it went the complete opposite way. It's just complete incompetence, a mixture of incompetence and corruption. You were angry. You were angry. I was burning. I don't, you know what? I want to say corruption. I said, but I can't because no. the referee, who appointed the referee? The, uh, I suppose the Nevada, Nevada Commission. And so the only way corruption could be involved there is if they had a leaning towards Golden Boy or top rank if you were going to be a cynic, as I am. Correct? I just, I just can't. I'm sorry. I can't. I, I don't think it was corruption. You know what? Uh, Here's the upside. Fine. Upside is unofficially, unofficially. You are the WBA World Super Flyweight Champion of the World, Andrew Maloney. That's that's what we should have heard. That's what, yeah. And so, you know what? Here's the better news. Here's the better news. Let's do a third dance, baby. And let's do it here. Let's do it here in Australia. I can tell you one thing, though. Joshua Franco wouldn't have taken too much confidence out of those rounds, let nah, me tell you. He, he was beaten, boys. He was beaten. You could see it. He was beaten. He was a beaten fighter. Um, and we go back to where we started this conversation. Andrew was angry. I, don't, I know the lovely boys, the well-spoken, the eloquent. Andrew was angry, boy. Absolutely. And oftentimes in boxing, when there's a rematch, you kind of wonder whether it's going to go into round 13 or is it going to really be a round one? 
Mm. And you fought like a man possessed. Round 13. We were sitting there and we just went, oh, this is going to be a short night. He was working him. Especially when that swelling came up. We're all sitting down and we're like, he's going to box a master class here. Might stop him. And then yeah. obviously didn't go the, the way it did, but surely you take some confidence out of those rounds. Yeah, absolutely. And whether the damage to the eye happened or not, I feel like I would have stopped him in the next couple of rounds. Yep. I got no doubt. I had no doubt. I could feel – you can feel it in the ring as a fighter when the other guys had enough and when they're starting to, starting to mentally quit. Um, and I could feel that straight away. In round two, that's why I threw so many punches in that round, not just because his eye was, was starting to shut, but because I could feel that he wanted out of there. Mm. Jason, just going back – sorry, JJ, keep going. That's a credit to your team as well. For a fighter to be able to make the adjustments that you did in, let's be real, a pretty short period of, of time, to watch that back, make those adjustments in camp, and then put it all together on fight night, massive credit to your team as well. That's a, it's a big achievement. Yeah, absolutely. It's a pretty big turnaround in five months to go from a fight where it was close, but I was beaten to then five months later basically stop a guy in two rounds. Can I just go back a step? Because I want to talk about the big issues out of this fight now that we've talked about the lighthearted stuff. <laughs> Trust me, the tangent coming. Jeffrey Fennec, when he was robbed in the desert all those years ago against Azuma Nelson, who uh, you'll find was ranked number two pound for pound in the world when Jeffrey bashed him, bashed him. Uh, and I've said many times, should have been given 25 years to life for assault. And I'll keep saying that to the day that I'm not here. Um, at the weight, and this is a tough one, but then again, Luke Jackson sort of more or less said, Mark, you're kidding, aren't you? You're talking about Jeff Fennick. How would Jeff Fennick break down the Japanese monster in a way? Oh, geez, it's always a hard one to compare. Mm. You know, different areas and fighters. Mm. Um, well, I, I think Jeff's pressure and, you know, relentless attack mm. would probably beat Anui. Uh, but it's easy yeah, to say, isn't yeah, it? You're going to live on some. Oh, my, my point is, it's easy to say that you're going to go in and live on someone's chest, but that's exactly the fighter that Fennec was a pressure fighter. Yeah. But yeah. to have that remarkable resilience to say, hey, I'm going to buckle him. And Fennec at that weight just became, he was, we've got, we've got the Australian monster, we've got the Japanese monster, he was the mauler, he was a monster. And he would yeah. buckle your will to win, but it's very hard to do against the elite. Yeah, yeah, mate, it's such a hard one to, to predict or, you know, to compare fighters from different areas, it's, yeah. you know. Did you watch a lot of Fennec really growing? Did you watch a lot of Fennec growing up? Did yeah, yeah, definitely, mate, definitely. And yeah. you know, if any style is gonna, you know, upset Anui, I think it's the Fennec style of putting him under pressure and, you know, just breaking his will and you know not giving him the chance to throw those shoulder you know, charges, yeah, <laughs> shoulder yeah. charges, tackling. Yeah. Yeah. He was very yeah. good. He, he didn't discriminate. He had everything there. <laughs> he had a Mexican love tapping. <laughs> he had it all. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't think Anui would like it rough like that. So yeah, that's the style, and you know, perhaps more the style that I should have implemented. But um, yeah, as I said, no, no, it's no. Easy, we played our strengths. Easy to look back on now and and say that, but big, uh, I did what I could. The big issues, though. Let's go back to the big issues. There's a lot of table tennis played whilst in the bubble. 
take me there. Because I <laughs> – no, 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 because we saw Terence Crawford. We saw Terence Crawford. She looked like a fight for a little bit, and then it's over, uh, disputably or arguably pound for pound number one in the world. If it's not him, it's in a way. Um, I suppose Canelo Alvarez has an argument, and, you, uh, and JJ, yep, you, you, you can you can correct me if I'm wrong. But yeah, let's go back to table tennis. Take me there. <laughs> How was the tournament set up? Because I saw I saw Bud I saw Bud Crawford, who I've met a couple of times now. Um, he was fairly intense and uh, not happy when you got the better of him. I mean, that was the big matchup, wasn't it? Maloney v Crawford. It was massive. It was massive. He put an hey, L. He put an L on wow, Crawford's it, record. Put an, I, I'll go, and you know what? <laughs> that's, that's when it big. came, I on it, but I think differently. I'm thinking, you know what? I wonder if, I wonder if that nicked him a little bit as he marched to the <laughs> ring. I'm going. He's got an L next to his name. It was just a day ago, <laughs> and I mean, I, mate, or well, it play on my mind. It'd be playing. I'd be like, I, I need to, I need to play Jason again. I need to play Jason again and get a W. Um, and I was worried. I was worried for Bud, but I needn't be. Um, how was he on the court? Did you spot a weakness there in the pound for pound? Great. Yeah, I'm pound for pound on the table tennis table. That's for sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I gave, I cleaned him up easily in the the first game, and uh, then we played again and. I'll have to admit it, he, he got me on the second game. I would have taken him out in the final, but we both had to fight the next day, so I let him off at one all. I and, thought uh, you might have. So you did give him a W. Oh, yeah. I had to give him one back, so he wasn't rattled for the yeah, fight the next course. day. That's that's yeah. Australian hospitality. That, I hope he knows. That's, that's what that is. I hope he knows that you took the, the foot off the throat. Yeah, his manager came up and said he's got a fight tomorrow. Just let him have a win, easy touch. Yeah, so exactly. I let him That's have one. Works. Was Bo Mac there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. Yeah. <laughs> You'd rather feed him for a day than a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, he, yeah. He, he doesn't like it. He doesn't like Mark we, Warren. Uh, he doesn't like Mark Warren. I, no, no. Don't mention my name around the BMAC. He, he, uh, yeah, that was going back to the Horn fight. I'm not going to tell you yeah. about the BMAC, but in fact. There was one Channel 7 journalist there who Crawford's camp barred um, after the weigh-in. I think, he, I think it was Chris Gary. I just threw him under a bus. <laughs> I think it Shout was, out to Chris Gary. Hey, Chris. And it was quite funny, though, because well, I'm going to do it. So the last chance to interview the boys was in a, a deluxe suite, and you could have a one-on-one for a couple of minutes with Terence Crawford. And I was fortunate enough to go with Grantley Keezer. And I just sat there with the mic and let Grantley do the talking. And uh, I've still got that interview. Anyway, the whole talk is about that, that, that Chris Gary, he ain't coming in a one-on-one situation with Terence Crawford. Chris Gary, I, I think he's from Channel 7 in Australia. Anyway, the funniest part for all of us in the room is he sitting on the couch amongst them? Chris Gary's already in the room, and we're just looking. We're, we're looking at him, and they go, he is not. He is not doing a one-on-one. And as, at the same time, they open the door. All right, you, 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 and you, and they actually he again got ushered into the room for the next one-on-one. That is dead set fact. 
That's fact. And we could have thrown him under the bus. I think Cameron Williams from Channel 9 was there. And I, I was thinking, wow, there's rivalry in television. I'm going, I wonder if someone's just to say, Chris, you probably better go. <laughs> it was, it was oh, the fun you have over there with our American brothers and sisters. I yeah. wouldn't want to be in bad with the Crawford camp, let me tell you. He was, he was, he was, with me, I didn't have the relationship you guys did. He, he was, he was lovely, he was respectful, but he was as cool as a cucumber. You could just see it. Iceman, Iceman. Yeah, it took a little bit for him to warm to us. I think he, he seen us sort of clowning around for a few days and then he, he wanted to get involved. Great. And, uh, Isn't that great? Do you, do you realize that, you know, part of the book is that, I mean, who knows where he's going to be regarded when the history books tell the story? And yeah, I played table tennis with Crawford. Yeah, probably in, you don't realize it now, but in 20 years' time, people go, You what? <laughs> I, I whipped, I whipped, but. <laughs> His perception of Australians would have been a mixture of Glenn Rushton and Mark Warren. Oh, sh- no. Nah, hey, 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 ex- you know what I mean? Like- Hang on, woo. Who? <laughs> what? What about Dean Lonigan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dean as well. Dean uh, Jeff as Benick? Well. Yeah. Why would you say Glenn Rushton and Mark Warren? What, what? What's that? that, that no, hang on, well, what is that? All right. You, that, you are now baiting. What's nah. that about? Hey, let me tell you, if I'm baiting, I'm fishing with dynamite because I've got a big bite out of you, boy. Oh. Big bite. He goes off the hinges a bit, boys, doesn't he? <laughs> oh, no, hang on. Why, I, Jeff, I was there with Jeffrey. Ben Damon yeah, was course. there. What about Ben? You've said Mark Warren, Glenn Rushton. Well, they are two Australians that he met, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And let me tell you, Crawford was not very fun, fond of the Horn camp, was he? Oh, he wasn't fond of any of the Australian camp. That's what I'm saying. All right. but all so with these Jeffrey. boys flew the Australian flag yeah. and got the pound-for-pound best on the Australian side. We you love are, that. We are, you are ambassadors for bringing the Crawford clan into our fold in Australia. Because <laughs> they weren't great fans, guys. I'm telling you now, <laughs> they weren't did big fans. Back at the Wayne. Pardon? So, did you hear Bo Mack at the Wayne to to uh, to Brooke? He's going send him back to New Zealand. Bo Mack. Hey, mate, I got a one on one with him. And who are you anyway? You the promoter? You the promoter? Are you the promoter? And I'm like, whoa, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. As the Australian. They like us now anyway. Hey? We yeah. fixed it. They like us all now. We fixed it. We're all good. We're all good. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> like Bo Mac coming to Australia anytime soon? Yeah. All right. We'll send him Chris Gary's address. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This is rocked. It's all right. Big um. Big flight coming up. They're saying it's the biggest pay-per-view in history. Yeah, apparently the pre-sales have already succeeded or exceeded uh, expectations as well. Mm. How how big was it over there? Was there much coverage in terms of Tyson Jones when you were over there? Mm, Not really, to be honest, mate. I mean, maybe because there was so much big fights going on already. Maybe now it's... Pass the buck and everyone can focus on that. But, no, the, the talk wasn't very big about that fight, to be honest. So tell me, as two of the elite boxers in the world, what are your feelings towards the circus that is Tyson Jones? you got YouTubers on the undercard. you got Badu Jack, a former world champion, on the undercard too. One's 54, the other one's 51. What? Where? Where's your head at with all of it? Um, 
I'll I'll tune in and watch. Yeah, it's interesting, yeah. but I'm still a bit confused about how it all works. It's supposed to be an exhibition, and they're not supposed to knock each other out. Which try to tell Mike Tyson you can't knock someone out. I don't know how that's going to work. Um, but is it going to be a winner or is it an exhibition? That's a great point, JJ. You asked me earlier. You asked me earlier. Um, what's an exhibition? Yeah. Uh, and I thought it was a trick question and probably was from JJ. And I said, an exhibition is usually what spoils a boxing card. <laughs> you, how many have we been? Are you serious? Oh, mate, his fighter pulled out, so we're going to do we're going to do a six, seven, eight round exhibition, mate. Just touch him, feeling, and I'm like, mate, please, no exhibitions. Now, having said that, everybody pays to go to the circus. I want to know: Are they wearing big gloves, sparring gloves? Are they wearing tens? Uh, they're not wearing headgear. You've told me. Yeah, they're not wearing headgear, and they're not trying to knock anyone out. Exactly what you guys said, correct? Are you thinking that something crazy could happen on Sunday afternoon Australian time? Well, I don't know. What I hope doesn't happen yeah. is that we pay to watch them work up a sweat, yeah, and then it trashes their reputation yeah. to the newer market. I love the Mike Tyson we're hearing about now, the humility. You put me onto the podcast where he speaks with Sugar Ray Leonard. It was one of the greatest interviews I've ever heard. Uh, Tyson with Sugar Ray Leonard, um, this new business person, this, this man that's found a way um, through all of these highs and lows and reinvented himself. They're making money for various charities, and I haven't got those in front of me. And, and he says that's far greater than any world title belt. I see him trying to sell the fight, and he said he was the most, you know, he's the greatest fighter since the inception of God. And I'm like, that's not Mike these days. That's not him. Um, Mike Tyson, I, I can tell you an interview, if you'd like to YouTube it with, with talking about Muhammad Ali, and he's, he quite, he's so beautiful. He says, yeah. no, 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 I'm not fighting Mr. Ali. That's a whole different game. You know, he's a Theosaurus Rex. You know, no, 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 Mr. Ali, he's different. Mike knows how to sell a fight. Sir Anthony Hopkins uh, was asked, who's your favourite actor of all time? And he said, Mike Tyson. And you just look back now and you wonder just how much was an act. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I got the rules here. The fight is at heavyweight, no limit, eight two-minute rounds. Tyson and Jones won't be required to wear a headgear. The fighters will wear 12-ounce gloves. If either man suffers a cut, the fight will be stopped. And in this match, the referee will have the authority to stop the fight if it strays outside the boundaries of a competitive boxing exhibition. Okay. Roy Jones Jr., um, one of the greats of all time. Can he get hurt in this fight? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't think anyone walks into, I would even say, a room with Mike Tyson and doesn't, <laughs> you know, doesn't run the risk of getting hurt. You well, know I mean? I, Especially I, when you're, you're fighting him. I factually, I factually introduced Mike Tyson and read his tale of the tape at the Sydney Inter, uh, International Convention Centre. And he embraced me and whispered in my ear and said, good job, Mark. And, yeah, it was a harrowing moment. Um, it was, uh, that, that's factual. Uh, had the chance to do that via Jeffrey and Max Markson. Uh, Roy Jones Jr. will go down in the history books of one of, all, one of the all-time greats, but your great friend, the Green Machine, he, he spoilt the party, didn't he? Sure did. Yeah. When did you realise that Roy Jones Jr. was out of the box on another planet? 
uh, well, it was different for me because I didn't grow up watching him in his prime. I grew up watching his highlights on YouTube. And then when I finally got to see him in the flesh, obviously it was bittersweet. You saw an Australian cave him, which is not too bad because I don't mind the green machine. But let me tell you, I was a heartbroken boy at the time. I'm just looking for it here because this, this <laughs> you look at the names that he destroyed. Here it is here. I'll tell you when I realized, because I couldn't get my head around it, 1998, and he beat a four-time world champion called Virgil Hill. Yeah. Who spent so much time here with Johnny and Jeff. And I'm like, no, no, KO after four rounds. I'm not, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that uh, Virgil was at the top of his game, but when he got rid of Virgil in four rounds, I went, what the heck have we got here? Some kind of fighter. And to think that Danny did that. And they were supremely confident, the Jones camp, when they came to Sydney. Was he a shot fighter by the time? Let me tell you, if he was a shot fighter then, imagine what he's going to be this weekend. My point exactly. My point exactly. And I I hate to see it. There's nothing more I hate about the sport than when fighters go too long. You know what I, I don't it like? It breaks my heart. There's a little kid next door, and he's just a wonderful young man, uh, James Costick, and, uh, and he's doing wonderful things with Brazilian jiu-jitsu and kickboxing and boxing. He's a freak, this kid. He's a freak, and the most placid kid. Reminds me of you guys. He, he wouldn't be much smaller than you guys. Um, but my lingering memories of being at that age, 14, you know what I remember? I remember Muhammad Ali moving around a ring with a wrestler who laid on his back, I think, for, for 10 rounds and proceeded to kick the greatest of all time in the shins. That's not what I want to remember Muhammad Ali like. Yeah. So I feel for the kids that are going to see what was the most ferocious force on the planet, Mike Tyson, against the most stupendous hands perhaps of all time Yeah, in Roy Jones Jr. Uh, so it's, And the bottom line... Everybody pays to go to the circus. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This is rocked. Let's go to Brocky Jarvis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's man. next assignment. Bromance, bromance, bromance. <laughs> Can you let us, my man Rod, our man Rod, the engineer Rod, have you got a siren there? It's bromance time. What, what are we doing? What's Brocky doing next? Brocky is fighting a gentleman by the name of Mark Schliebs on the 11th of December in Canberra. In his featherweight debut. Yes. Uh, Mark's undefeated as well. Brocky's undefeated. And this is the the opponent that the Australian public's been calling for as well. Mark's pretty credentialed. And They're very confident. Yeah, very confident. Absolutely. We, Jeff came on this show um, in the lead up to Zoo Horn and, and, and mentioned there's this bloke, Sleeves, that's calling us out. Well, he's here. Now, Team Ellis, they're great people for boxing and, and I've done some work with Team Ellis and, and they, they're wonderful young men and Jake Ellis is the manager. Um, but this is the business of boxing. There hasn't been too much trash talk uh, at all, really. Not on our side. No. Okay. Well, come on, tell me more. Is there much coming over the fence? Yeah, the, there's plenty. But he's Mark's confident he's going to win, mm-hmm. right? Which is what I would hope. Mm-hmm. For in an opponent anyway, mm-hmm. he's a good fighter. I'm not going to you know sit up here and trash him by any means because you don't get to 13 and 0 or 12 and 0, whatever he is, 
being a bum. Mm-hmm. I'm not out in the business of, you know, trashing fighters. You've got to be a monster to get in that ring anyway. He is a good fighter. Yep. I just think Brock's going to be great. Brock looks like a monster now, a beast. You've been, you have been you went and trained with him this morning, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I was I was with the Fanny Cam this morning. How's your bro? Yeah, all good. He's all good? Ready to rock. Ready to rock. Yeah. Are we going to Canberra? Sure are. We're driving? Absolutely. Sounds like a trip to me. I'll run there if I have to. We'll do McDonald's at Sutton's Forest? No, no, no. Right. Got to keep the figure in check, Mark, you know? Oh, okay. Um, he looks big. He looks real big. It looks real strong. I see a really, uh, I mean, the, the, the height and reach advantage is always going to be with Brock. Um, Mark Sleeves, boys, you got an opinion there at all? Have, you, has there, have your paths crossed? Have you seen much of him? Yeah, we've known Mark since oh, early, early days. I remember sharing a room with him at the national titles when we were probably 16, 17 years old, and he would have been maybe 13, just a young little kid. Um, he's always been a skilled fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, my concern for him is the size difference, mm. which on another, the other hand, I want to know, Jay, is this fight at featherweight? Because Schlieb seems to think, I heard him mention, it's at 56 kilos. Is that, is that right? Do you know? Um, I, I'm under the impression that the bout's at featherweight. Uh, but there was, I know there was some discussion in regards to titles being on the line. So you're, you're you have saying to make be a different a, limit. Yeah, so you're saying more or less what Golovkin did with Danny Geel, where it was fought at middleweight, but he actually had the move, uh, weigh in almost at junior middle for the contract. Is that what you guys are saying? Yeah, I heard this last night, and that made me a bit concerned because Brock seems to have had a real growth spurt. And I was looking at him going, even featherweight's going to be a real push. So if it's at 56, that's it's going to be tough for, for young Brock, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Brock looks like a cruiserweight at the moment. Like he's a, he's a big he boy. He looks big he's across a, the shoulders, man. A big boy. And he did um he did some really, really sharp rounds during the week with our good friend Luke Jackson. Lukey Jackson, yeah. Were they solid rounds? Yeah, absolutely. You're going to get great work out of Luke. You're always going to get great work out of Luke. He's fantastic. But – um. Even next to Luke, he looked big. Yeah. So he's obviously, obviously, it's not going to be an easy cut for him. I mean, he's massive, but at the end of the day, Brock's a professional. He's got a very professional camp as well, and I have no doubt that he's going to make the weight come um, come weigh in time. Tip, boys. I, I take that on board though when I'm having a look at sports bet for all of our five fans. The Maloney's just saying, hey, if there's a contract there that says he has to make a certain weight, then it could be very difficult for Brock on the scales. Yeah, I just couldn't believe how big Brock looks. He looks to seem he seems to have really filled out since, you know, his last fight. Um so You're, you know, you're Victorians, make- you are Victorians originally, so which which way are you going? Yeah, no, but yeah, assuming he makes the weight okay, which I'm sure he will, um, I just think he's going to be too big and too strong for Schleibs. Yep. Yeah. But a skilled I, fighter. A skilled fighter, huh, Mark? He is. He is. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd go Jarvis inside the distance, maybe mid-rounds. I think he's That'll probably going to What Thank about you, you Mark? Much. Well, I just got my tip then. Yeah. I'm now going Jarvis by way of KO yeah. inside six. Bet the under. Brock will stop him. Thank you. And they're, they're calling the other way. They think inside four yeah. rounds. Oh, they're they? confident. The boys, yeah. the boys from East Keylor, correct? 
They're very, very confident. The gym there, what a great gym too. This is rocked. Let's cover some turf quickly as we go to Bankwest Stadium, which was originally Cumberland Oval, which became Parramatta Stadium, which is now this brilliant, this brilliant stadium. Bankwest Stadium. And Tim Zhu is the headline against the Kiwi, Kiwi Bowen Morgan. Um, come to that shortly. On the undercard, that says Bowie Tupo and Dempsey McKean, Paul Showtime Fleming, Kai McKenzie is on the card. Ty Telford, Dara Foley. Hello. We've got a war on our hands. Uh, Liam Wilson's on the card. Luke Jackson's on the card. Mark Hunt, Paul Gallon is on the card. I can't wait. Oh, and a, a mate of mine is there also. Or two. I see Dylan Bajiro's on the undercard, and he's fighting another mate of mine through the family, Ricardo Colosimo, in against Dylan Bajiro. I can't wait. The undercard looks amazing. It does, and shout out to young Oscar that's fighting on the undercard as well. He's making his pro debut, trained by the great Brad Hardman. Oscar, is it Doan or yeah, Doan? Doan. Oscar Doan. Yes. Brad Hardman. And hey, don't forget. Exactly. Rino Rino. Exactly. He, Paul Fleming's not, not in there with no bum. Who, who, I'm sorry? Our man Bruno Torimo, he's the one that's fighting Paul Fleming. It's going to be an absolute cracker, that fight. Wow. Is that is he one of Tolger's boys? Yep. He trains with us. Wow. Under the man H. Are you hopeful by that date that you guys can be there, fly in, fly out? Looking into it. I'd like to be there to support him. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, we'll wait and see. Is it a long time away from the family, so we might we might not make it. <laughs> Bruno Torimo, tell me why he can win the fight or why he will win the fight. He's an absolute machine. He is the fittest person I've ever seen by an absolute mile. Wow! Wow! I've never seen him tired ever once. He could spar twenty rounds every day of the week. He's an absolute freak, and. Well, if you saw his fight bet. against Nathaniel May, where he broke Nathaniel May down, May was exhausted after maybe five rounds. We jumped in the ring at the end of the 10, and I swear his heart rate would have been at about 45 beats. He was <laughs> not breathing, not even one bit. Wow. Wow. I expect much the same against Fleming. Obviously, Fleming's a, an amazing boxer himself, but it's going to be a great fight, and um it could steal the show. It could be a great fight. Um, it sounds to me that Paul Fleming is going to have to be at 110% Paul Fleming. Absolutely. To be in the contest by the sound of it. 100%. Bruno's That's come in with that upset mentality. Because, yeah, because obviously Flemo's an incredible talent, one of the most skillful fighters we have in the country. Yep. But it's a, it's a tough fight to come back to when you've had so long out of the ring. This guy is... Not one that you want to get in the ring with if you're if you're underdone or got a bit of ring rust because he'll he just will not stop coming all night. Absolutely, he's a nightmare fighter. What he did to Nathaniel May, he just took him to deep waters and just drowned him. Mm. And Nathan- Nathaniel, what a talent! What exactly. a talent! And yeah, this absolutely. kid, this kid took him to deep water. Yep. I tell you, if I'd been out the ring for two years, I wouldn't want to be coming back against Bruno Torima. <laughs> <laughs> Shivers. Shivers. We've got a war on our hands. We've got yeah. a war on our hands. 
what's grabbing you with this card outside of what we've already spoken about and we haven't even got to the two fights. The biggest one for me, yeah. the one that I think is going to steal the yeah. show, yeah. is Telford Foley. I think yeah, that yeah. is going to be an absolute Mate, war. I know the personality of Dara and the skill levels of Ty. Wow. Yeah. It's going to be crazy in there. I was at City Gym probably two weeks ago, and I watched Dara Spar. He got through eight rounds that day, yeah. and he, he again, he looked huge as well. So I don't know what, what – they're fighting it super lightweight. You should mm-hmm. make that pretty pretty well, but – he looked like a monster. Mm-hmm. What Ben Savers done to his game, he's just refined that technical execution a little bit. Dara's got that fighting, that Irish spirit. So that comes out anyway, but he gets a bit messy, a bit lackluster at times. I think with Savers in his corner, that's just going to refine it and fine-tune it. And I think the Dara Foley we're going to see on fight night is going to be different to what we've seen previously. We're going to talk about the main event. We're going to talk about the main event as Tim Zhu takes on... Uh, help me out here with the Kiwi. And there Bowen Morgan. Bowen Morgan. It is Bowen Morgan. Um, Tim Zhu versus Bowen Morgan, the Kiwi. I, I look at his CV, uh, tough as teak. He comes up to junior middleweight. Uh, but I'm watching Tim Zhu spar out of the Bondi Boxing Club with uh, the, the Loco Beast, the Power Box, Loco Beast, Matteo Tapia from the Northern Beaches, who I think possibly could go next level. In fact, he will. He will. Um, and I know it's sparring. Matteo pulled me aside a couple of weeks back and he said, you stand in front, you get hit. He's now... Tim is really starting to look like Costure at close range where he's going to make you miss by that fraction and land every single time. I think the Kiwi's in for a very, very tough night as... Tim may have gone to another level against Jeff Horn, um, but I don't believe that we saw the Jeff Horn that beat Manny Pacquiao. Uh, I'm not saying that he, Tim doesn't win the fight anyway, but I don't believe it was Jeff Horn. Whether he got old overnight or a bad camp, I don't know. But Tim Zhu now, I think, will go to another level. I think the Kiwi is in for a, a very, very tough night with a, a hungry, talented fighter. Yeah, I agree with all of that. I, I don't think Jeff was anywhere near his best against Zhu, um, but I do think Zhu's improved massively every fight, and I expect his confidence to be sky high after the Jeff Horn win. And I don't think Bowen Morgan is going to be a tough fight for him. No. In fact, let's go unders there too. I, I sort of smell that you're thinking this goes early, Jacob. Well, I was I was with Matty Rose during the week mm. and I said to him, I said, oh, look, in terms in terms of coverage, Bowen Morgan isn't isn't really getting too much. He's not very loud on social media. He's not that type of personality. And Matty looked at me and goes, man, he's, he's training hard. He's going to come ready. And look, most fighters do come ready when they're at that level as I well. I hope he does. I, I pray that he comes ready. Otherwise, he's in for an even tougher night. I just think this is going to be the cherry on top for a great year for Tim and springboard into a big 2021. Let's hope so. Um, talking of this stadium, back in 1996, I'm showing my age. I was only about your age, maybe a couple of years older. I was at centre ring. Costa Zoo took on Hugo Panita in his second fight after capturing the IBF title in Las Vegas against Jake the Snake Rodriguez. And this stadium held 17,000 at the time for that fight. And I'll never forget it. God rest his soul. Hector Lopez 
was on the undercard, uh, the Olympic silver medalist, uh, only ever beaten as a professional um, by world champions. The cowboy was on the card, Justin Roussel. The Birmingham blonde I christened a young man called Jimmy Reynolds. And, and Stevie Dack, God rest his soul, um, made his first and only professional debut under Johnny Lewis, a, a stellar amateur career. And he came out that night and beat Glenn Barragher, who became a great mate, a, a stellar kickboxer. And I'll never forget the night, the biggest storm to hit Parramatta. And I was from that, from that area. I've never seen a storm hit Parramatta like it did that night. And it wasn't cost you zoo. And my goodness, the crowds were sent fleeing from the field. They were trying to seek shelter. and It was impossible. So an industrious ring announcer, I dived under the canvas. And I, I, I hit under the ring. I hit under the ring. But as it came in there sideways and you name it, there was no escaping. And I had makeup running down the front of me. And, uh, and this time it was water-induced, not sweat. And I, I ran to the change rooms and Johnny's doing the hands meticulously on, on, on Costa Zoo. And I'm now down to my underpants and I've got my, my white shirt and my tuxedo and bow tie. And I'm, ha- I'm holding underneath the hand dryer in the Parramatta Stadium sheds and drying out a tuxedo. In short, I was one wet boy trying to pretend to be dry as I introduced Costa Zoo uh, to this enormous crowd uh, as when, the, when the storm passed. But I have amazing memories of that night against the Colombian Hugo Panita. He was six foot one and 63 and a half kilos. Yeah, monster. A- absolute monster, yeah. Costa suffered his first knockdown in that fight. Quite a night. The main event we've touched on, the much-hyped affair yep. is the G-Train, Paul Gallen, with an MMA legend, Mark Hunt. Exactly, and that's exactly what he is. He's an MMA legend. In terms of Anzacs that have put MMA on, on the map, Mark Hunt's probably the one, the lead horse, I'd say. Tell me about Mark Hunt. Um, troubled. He was troubled. Straight to the point. Uh, yeah, troubled as young, which is very clear about all through, all through his life, and he, he kind of got found his way into fighting after probably fighting in unsanctioned bouts, I'm sure. Found his found his niche, went over, took a punt on himself. You're telling me it was like the mauler. Sort of a couple Maybe. of unsanctioned Maybe. fights before he found the Newtown no. Police Boys Club. Jeffrey's a good boy, isn't he? I'm just saying he had a couple unsanctioned. Maybe a couple of dozen unsanctioned. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Um and Mark was part of a an organization named Pride, which was then bought by the UFC. Yep. Which uh they were offered either a contract, their contract would be honoured into the UFC or they were paid out. Yes. Many thought the Mark would take the payout considering his ground game wasn't as advanced as others. Like always, and a, a testament to his character, he backed himself and ended up making an incredible career um, in the UFC and in, in MMA. As of, as of late, he's not on very good terms with, with the UFC. He's actually in a, a current court case. It kind of tells them what he thinks. Oh, does not pull his punches in any sense. Wow. In any sense. But wow. that's what happens when, you, you know, when you're in the octagon, it's life or death. You don't want the other bloke to have any enhancers at all. And I, he was talking about the last five opponents he fought in the octagon all got popped for performance-enhancing steroids. So Mark as a clean fighter and you boys as clean fighters as well, we just got to take that stuff out of the sport. Yeah, Absolutely. 
Yeah, what I is, think it's great the way he stands up and, and speaks out about that. Um, like you said, those opponents that he's stepping into the octagon with, being dirty fighters, you know, he's risking his life getting in there as it is when they're clean. And then when they're getting in there uh, with perform-enhancing drugs in their system, you know, they're basically, you know, they should be charged for murder if they end up hurting him because they're cheating. And um, it's great that he stands up against it and um, he's so vocal. So, yeah, I've got a lot of respect for Mark for that that fact. 46 plays 36. I think I'll be close. Hunt v. Gallon. For me now, Paul Gallon, who I brought to the ring uh, in Sydney, who did he fight that night? The, the, the Lim Reaper, Randall Ray. Good fight too, a scrap, a four-rounder. But he is now a genuine heavyweight. He's a genuine heavyweight. I, I, and I say that with nine fights. Um, I like the respect that Paul has shown the sport. He's never come out and said, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to be best in the world or anything like that. But he's a cross-sport uh, fighter who got into the sport and, and talks openly. He said, I, I'm getting schooled by a lot of the talented kids in the gym. But now there's a lot of rounds there. I, I think he, I, I, they're Barry Hall fans. I, know, I think, I think Gallon won the fight. I, I think he won the fight. I'd love to see a rematch. I'd love to see a rematch. Um, I, thought, I thought Barry was schooling him in that first couple of rounds with the left jab. Yep. I just, I, it, you know what, a draw, I, I can't say a draw was the wrong result in that fight. I'd love to see a rematch. Paul Gallon at 36, coming out of probably next to boxing, the toughest sport in the world, rugby league, and, and being a fitness machine, he wins this fight. Does anyone disagree? Do I disagree that Paul Gallon will win the fight? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I do. You're backing think, Mark Hunt. I think if Mark is in good nick which I have no doubt the Fogarty brothers will get him into. I know he's in, he's in Newcastle, yeah. staying away from Sydney. He's in, with Rob. In, in, yeah, in camp, Robin and Rich. Yeah. And G'day, I, boys. G'day, boys. Big shout out to the, the Fogarty brothers. They yeah. are grinding hard. I think Mark's experience in terms of combat is going to play its part as well. Everyone's The story is if Mark doesn't catch him early, Gal will have the fitness for him. Okay. That's the story. Okay. I also think that having so much experience that Mark does is going to count. There's little tricks of the trade that you don't pick up unless you've had years and years in the sport. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. definitely, mate. Definitely. The whole story is going to be, yeah, what sort of shape Hunt's in. You know, he's had a fair bit of time out of the octagon or out of the ring. So how has he looked after himself uh, in those past few years. Yeah. But, yeah, if he comes in in good shape, I'll give him a big chance because he's got that insane power. So, yeah. yeah, he might not have the fitness, but that power wouldn't have left him. And uh, if he lands flush on Gal, yeah, it's good night. Johnny Lewis says the power is the last thing that goes. He says That's the right. power is the last Correct. thing that goes. Um, he's a beast. Tell me, with Mark, the fight that I remember watching UFC at the Mark Geyer ranch with the kids out there. Logan Guy is probably the biggest MMA fan that I know. Um, he had a stand-up war, and I've seen so many in a boxing ring. Yeah. But to see them stand in the octagon, which fight am I talking about where I was and saying, please stop this, please, please stop this? They actually, the guy's name... Was that he, Bigfoot? Yeah, he used to go by Bigfoot, Antonio Silva. My goodness. Yeah, that he was like beyond. a head like a tiki. He's a big boy. That was beyond. They stood and traded. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, he's got whiskers, Mark. He's got whiskers, and let me tell you, can punch. I got no doubt about that, but I, they're called they're called ten ounce gloves, and you've got to have a little bit of footwork. And if it's set for six, I, well, if Paul comes out and wants to stand and trade in round one, it'd be silly, correct? Yes, correct. Totally silly, and probably the same in round two. But if Gal, as I said, now what I consider a genuine heavyweight can box for a couple of rounds and get to what you guys referred to earlier, a little bit of deep water, I think it can become an easier fight for him. You don't agree? I'll put that down. (laughs) (laughs) Deafening silence. Mate, it doesn't work on a podcast. Somebody say something. All right. Uh, That's good. So are you saying points, Gallon, or Gallon stops him? You've got – you've actually – I'm now going gallon points. Yeah, <laughs> I've readjusted yeah. my market to tell you the truth. <laughs> I did, I, you know the other thing because business is business. This guy's trying to run the biggest Toyota dealership in Australia, and I'm trying to run a, an ad agency. I didn't know he was with the Fogarty's, and that's and, <laughs> and Richard Fogarty is Mr. MMA. I, I'm I'm kind of going oh shivers. He's getting some Newcastle steel. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. He he he's getting his butt whipped. Right now, he's okay. It should be a beauty, and you know what? Let's let's plug it. Uh, no limits. Matty Rose has put it together, and you can catch all the action on main event, the sixteenth of December, from the best stadium in Sydney, Bank West Stadium. Get your tickets at Ticketek, or get your uh, pay per view right now. Main event, the headline: Tim Zoo, Bowen Morgan for the IBF Australasian Super Welterweight title, and you can buy it now. Now, do I should we send that invoice to main event? Yeah. <laughs> or ticket tech? Maddie. Maddie as well. Maddie, Maddie said did you get pay. that? Did you get that, Maddie? And if we put it on a teaser for No Limit, yeah. and then we post it yeah. for No Limit, No Limit post it, the Maloney's post it, hey, boys, we might get a drink out of this. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I'm going back to my old tricks, Bill Morty stuff. When I was a kid, we learned early, and I, I got some car people in the automotive trade that they're good salespeople as well. But Jacob will work it out with Matty Rose, and Absolutely. you talk to your people, I'll talk to my people, and we'll see what We can make something happen. <laughs> All right. Well, okay, well, Tony Tiles has brushed us. You reckon yep. he's asleep? I reckon. All right. He, yeah. We've, we've covered well, some. He said, go without me. I'm working on stuff still on the phone. Well, tell him. 13 minutes ago. Tell him Kittens is already wrapping up. So <laughs> <laughs> tell his, his alias is Gustav. He'll say, yeah. his alias is Gustav. You still reckon you haven't met his alias? It's a long story. Um, <laughs> um, thank goodness your friends at Top Rank haven't met Gustav. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope that Evan and Gardy. Did you meet my mate Gardy Lopez? Did you meet, yeah, yeah. yeah he's my mate. He's my good mate. Um, yeah, Evan, good man. And and you're yeah. Brad Jacobs. I, I think it might, was it his birthday yesterday. Yeah, uh, yesterday. Yeah. And, and Mr. Aram, I call him Mr. Aram. And I yeah. I mentioned Bill Morty to him. And he, his eyes lit up. He's on Bill and I go way back, and it just started. It was in the oh man. I just sat there. I didn't. Didn't interview him. We just sat and talked about him. He was, and Jeff Harding, and he was amazing. How switched on is Bob Aram between the ears? Incredible. 89 years old and sharp as anything. Yeah. Respectfully, so you've got Evan and all the team around him, as you guys know, uh, that do a lot of running around. But I would think that he sits down in 
uh, in the central commentary position, for want of a better word, at, at, at HQ and says, bang, 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 and, and that team just does the rest, correct? Yeah. Yeah, he's... He's got an incredible team, mate. They're just... Everyone is just world-class and they've treated us so well and they obviously do an incredible job and they're number one for a reason. Yeah, yeah. It's a nice way to lead because I think they looked after you as well. Um, and that also, we touched on, throws the conspiracy out the window because a lot of people go, oh, mate, you don't know. But And a lot of people don't know who over here, who promoted Joshua Franco. So I'm glad we are able to address that. I'm glad yeah. we're able to address that. And I'm more hopeful now that we can get this third rematch here. And we're hoping that Jason, mate, whatever's next is fine. We, f- we fail forward to success. And um, yeah, right, uh, there's nobody really that's going to intimidate him at the weight anymore. He's, he's been with, arguably, pound for pound the best in the world. Absolutely. And let me tell you, there's going to be a lot of people at the way that are going to be intimidated by him. Yes. Big time. Yes. Plenty of scalps for you, my brother. Plenty of scalps for the boys. Yep. Hopefully a very, very big year coming up. Gentlemen, enjoy your Christmas and New Year's with your beautiful families. Rest up and then refocus because I reckon 2021 is going to be an absolute cracker. Yeah. Thanks, Eves, mate. We can't wait. And yeah, cheers for having us on the show again, boys. Always good fun. Pleasure, legends. We are privileged. That is round 12. This is Rocked. It's brought to you by warrenmedia.com.au. Website is up and ready, done, right? And Powerbox Boxing, powerboxboxing.com.au. Until next time, in fact, in January, you know what? We might clip a couple of best ofs, random stuff. I'll talk to Rod about that later. And it'll be the (laughs) January edition. Should make for some laughter over the holiday period. Until next time, you keep your guard up wherever you're joining us. And bye for now. This is Rocked. 